Well, church, we have come now to what I think is one of the most important services we've had so far. You're about to be challenged with a need that couldn't be greater. And the team we have here are, to me, two of the most effective in trying to offset the horror of human trafficking in this country. Human trafficking has become something that we hear about, uh, maybe even trendy. And what I appreciate about the people that we have as our guests today is that they are not only informing and raising awareness, but they are engaged in rescue and rehabilitation. They understand the horror of the situation and then the process of what it takes to rescue and bring a person out of the kind of of deviant uh, impact of trafficking on their life. You are going to be amazed and you're going to be challenged and you're going to have an opportunity to not just give of your money but to engage your your life in being willing to say something that's going to be part of the 3D experience that will happen later in the service. Free International is the ministry that is doing this. It's led by this leadership team that you will meet today. Check out their table when you go. You need to know about their website. You need to know about the ongoing process. Matter of fact, you may have received cards today. These are people that are missing and and we need to step up and, and be a good Samaritan church and get invested. You'll hear about that. When Pastor Chance and I met this team some months ago, we knew that this needed to just go to the short list of major investments that we make in this year through our global local initiative. And once you hear this, this team's approach, you're going to know why because they are being used in the largest cities in the world. The Super Bowl is one of the, the places where human trafficking happens the most around any major event in this country. They're the, the single ministry that is called on by city and national gover- government to go in and try and inform local officials, those who manage hotels, and to really engage that situation and make a difference. So it's unique to have these people because uh, there's so many uh, entities and churches that try to to get time with them and so we have been able to make it happen and you're going to be so challenged I want you to open your heart and welcome this great leadership team as they come, would you welcome Mark Bartell as he comes today, put your hands together and welcome Mike good morning Already had a wonderful service this morning, couple, couple of great worship times, uh, always gets me going, I love it, it's great to be here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I am from, currently from uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, that is where Free International is based out of, um, my wife and I have been working with the issue of human trafficking first overseas for four years and now here in the States the last four years, so about eight years, and um, recently one of my one of my good friends and now colleague, you're going to hear from him in a second, uh, is, has joined us as well. And it's just been exciting the last few years to see what God is doing through his people. Um, I always think it's fun when, when we do things like this. It's a missions, uh, missions event, Missions Sunday, especially on the tail end of Easter, which is, you know, one of our greatest days as a people of faith. And 
Easter has always been spectacular to me. You see the stats up there and, and uh, hear all the great things that happen on Easter. Um, always puts into context that, 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 that Lent season, the Holy season, puts into context my own uh, day planner, right? The Bible tells us that God did, uh, demonstrated his love for us and that while we were his enemies, he did that for us. Because he is in the transforming business. He saw what everyone thought would be impossible and he made a way for us. So that we might not only be transformed, but that we might be a transforming agent within this country, within this city, so that none would perish. And that's what missions is about. That is why we feel such a kindred with your pastor in this church. Because we are working on this together so that God might be elevated in this city from the boardrooms to the brothels, where in our schools, uh, in our plants, so that God is lifted up. And everywhere that God is lifted up, the world is drawn to Him. And so that's why we're here this morning, and that's what excites us. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, Free International. We have so many things going on because we're connected so well across churches across our whole denomination and beyond our denomination. So we're not going to get into the minute details of everything we're doing, but if you want to know more about some of the initiatives we're doing, yeah, you can connect with us in the back. But it's great to be here this morning. Before I go any further, I think I'm going to show you a little video. It'll, it'll lay some of the framework of, of um, some of the stats going on with human trafficking, as well as uh, kind of highlight the shelter we're starting, which you'll hear about in a second. But let's just go ahead and start with that video here this morning before we go any further. Every year, more than 100,000 of our own U.S. kids are forced into prostitution. They become victims of human trafficking. The average age of a young girl or boy when she's first sold for sex in this country is between 11 and 14 years old. I think I've told you I'm a school counselor, and I actually just spoke to a seventh grade student who um, was recently arrested for prostitution.
Many of the girls we've talked to on the streets or even some of the girls who are older now who might have found their way to Christ and are in our churches often say, man, if there was a place we could have gone to when we were younger, when we were 12, 13, 14 years old, a safe place, we would have, we would have left, we would have gotten out. Tens of thousands of our very own children every year in our own backyards are being commercially exploited for sex, trafficked in unspeakable ways. Over 80% of the kids that are forced into prostitution have been abused at home. Over 80%. They're leaving something that is so horrific that they think their only choice is to be out on the streets, only to find out that their life is no longer theirs. The eyes are the window to the soul. And as we look into these girls' eyes, we see that there's nothing but death and destruction and horror. But as I'm in this building, uh, I see hope. I see a future for these girls. I see an oasis, a refuge from all that they've gone through. You can help us make a difference in their lives. You can help us build an oasis so that those who are being exploited might find healing and hope and a future. These issues of human trafficking continue to grow in our world because we live in a world where people have become so disposable. Um, you can look to abortion, you can look to all, all sorts of different things that will point to the fact that we do not value human life as much as we used to. And uh, we can see that as a, a calling call for our church now. Again, as God left the glory of heaven and didn't even demand or cling to his rights as God, came to this earth as a baby, lived a perfect life, and died a, a cursed death on the cross so that we might have abundant life. We now, as his people, become people who carry that same attitude. An attitude of humility and love so that none should perish. When Free International started, we had worked overseas for many years, and now we had come back and we saw the growing problem of this in the United States. Uh, both internationals being trafficked into this country, young girls, men, families. Uh, in fact, um, uh, the United States is one of the main destination countries in the world for human trafficking, uh, those being brought in from other countries, but also our own U.S. kids. At least 100,000 U.S. kids a year, our own kids being trafficked right on our own doorsteps. And you know, no matter where I go, no matter what churches I'm in, no matter what state I'm in, I'm constantly having people come up to me telling me their stories. Whether that's in Las Vegas, where we reside right now, um, we've, had, um, we've had 11-year-old girls, 8-year-old girls come to us turning their father, their stepdad, whatever in, uh, that are in prison now because they were being molested. And uh, I've had 88-year-old women on walkers weeping in front of me because they were abused from 8 to 18 years old and spent the last 70 years of their life bottling them that up and never telling anyone. And you know what, that, that's not how it should be, should it? I love this church because you guys are looking at it, live free, and, and it, you know, there's more to life than bottling up even the pain and the abuse and the hurt we're all going through. Many of the girls we work with, uh, over 80%, as you saw my wife say, have, have been victims of sexual abuse in the home before they ever get into the streets. In fact, they're leaving that situation, become runaways. Over 2,200 kids every day are reported missing in this country. And within 48 hours, one-third of them will have already been approached by a pimp or trafficker. Two-thirds within 72 hours. Kids that are on the street, they're vulnerable, easily manipulated. And because of that, 
um, we see a growing problem in our own country. It's big money as well. You know, one pimp off of uh, three to four girls every year can make it a million dollars or more. And because of that, we see this as a growth economic industry. But that's not acceptable, is it? God demonstrated his love for us and sent his own son to die because that's how much he valued us. When slavery was dealt with the first time, it was with that same concept of people of faith willing to stake their reputations, their, their resources on the line. So this evil industry of slavery, which nobody thought would end, would end because our people and our churches knew that God created each person in his very image to declare his glory to this world. And that's what the church is all about. So when we came back, we started Free International, which stands for Find, Rescue, Embrace, Empower. The Bible tells us that the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he can destroy and devour. That goes in all areas of our life. Each of us are targets for the enemy, the enemy of our soul, looking to bring us down. We can see stories. Just this last week, I was reading in uh, the story of the Good Samaritan again. This pastor referenced. And, and we can see different attitudes that come on through the Good Samaritan. You know, the story about a man going to do business. And there's these thieves waiting behind the rock for the first vulnerable person to come by so they can beat him down and take his resources and make him their own. Didn't have the attitude of Christ, obviously. Had the attitude that said, hey, you know what's yours is mine, and I'm going to do what I need to do to take it from you. We, see, we can see that with white-collar crime and crimes like human trafficking. You know, there's all sorts of things we can steal from each other. You guys ever had, anybody had anything stolen from them? It's the worst. I don't care how small it is, right? It could be the Snickers out of the freezer at your work office. You spend the whole next week looking into people's eyes, trying to figure out who took that from you. You feel violated and vulnerable. But we, we know there's more that can be stolen than stuff. These, these young girls we talk about have had their innocence stolen from them. Um, we can talk about gossip. gossip uh, God hates gossip. Why? Because it carries that attitude that says, your reputation, what you have is so valuable to me, I'm willing to cut you down so that you have nothing and I am, I am lifted up. In the field of trafficking, it, it's an economic thing. What can I do to get over on you so I can financially benefit from? Or if you're a purchaser of sex, it's that drive for lust that says, I'm willing to do what I need to do to fulfill my lusts, my needs, my wants. Whether that goes to buying sex or looking at pornography on the, on the internet or whatever it might be, pornography a growing problem. And, and uh, most of the girls we work with and a growing number of boys uh, not are, not, are not only being sold for sex, but they're being forced to perform pornography. And there's no possible way for you to know if what you're looking at on the other side of the screen isn't one of the girls we're trying to get out. There's a connection to all this. The enemy's like a roaring lion mixing that all up, and even in our own lives, as far as what is it that we are doing to carry the attitude that says, what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it from you. But the Bible says it doesn't end there. The enemy might be out there seeking whom he can destroy, but the Bible tells us that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And from the beginning, that's what Free International's first foundational thing was. How do we find those who are being exploited in this way? How can we learn what this looks like, both structurally and look into the eyes of those who are hurting and being exploited to be able to, to locate them, work with law enforcement and government and all the officials we need to to pull that person out of this awful situation? 
We started training people around the country. We would call them Seek and Save Workshops. And we've trained thousands of, of uh, uh, people across the country in our churches and whole law enforcement agencies. In fact, the state of Montana is wanting us to come now and train their law enforcement agents. It, does this sound odd to you that missionaries are out there doing these type things? And yet that's the very way I think God has structured his church. Because if we sit here today, every person in the seats that are here today And we put a pin in the map for everywhere you work, everywhere you play, everywhere you travel, everywhere you visit your family. We cover a great part of Broken Arrow, Tulsa, and beyond, don't we? It's the strategy of the gospel. Because everywhere we are, so goes Christ. And the more informed we are about what this looks like, we're able to find those who are in need of God, in need of help, and see them rescued from their situation. Not only have we trained, we've mobilized around major events, as Pastor has talked about over the years, uh, starting with the Super Bowl, which is one of the most trafficked events in the world. Uh, the first one we were a part of was five years ago in Miami, and, and, uh, and, and about 95% of the people we were able to mobilize with our coalition of groups, including class kids, uh, was, was in the Miami area with the churches. And, and uh, we took those missing kid cards that you, that you see in your hand and booklets and we got into the 7-Elevens and the, and the mo- pay-by-the-hour motels and we had people who were visible and present saying, here's the connection between this missing kid and what might be going on. Will you help us? And we found that the business community was more than willing to help if they had a point of contact in their community to get the information and the help to these girls that they needed. Law enforcement gave that outreach with the churches we were part of credit for clearing three precincts worth of missing kids off the books because we were just willing to be present and connect those dots. Amen. Over the last few years, the other Super Bowls, it's been, it's been done time and time again to the point that last year when we were in Indianapolis, we were invited by the NFL host committee to come in and train at all the motels throughout Indianapolis. And we were training them what to look like and where to funnel that information and, and whose people were in charge. And we were working with the attorney general there. And, and while we were there, the word got out. So the president of the National Association of Attorneys General flew in from his state and hung out with us for a couple of days to watch all this play out because really he, he was having a hard time fathom that these small not-for-profits, particularly faith-based uh, groups, not only... Were, not that they weren't willing to do this, but that there was such a competency and connectedness to that that it was being effective. He saw that. He loved us twice in the last year. I presented to all the attorneys general of the United States of America on how the faith community is leading in this fight as we know what our role is to find those who are being exploited. We need to find them. We've seen it in Vegas. We've seen it in the uh, oil fields of North Dakota we're being asked in and, and Texas and other places. And the reason they're, they're loving us is because the, what I see right now, we were just got back from New Jersey. We just flew in here from New Jersey, Lowell and I did, um, where we met with the Attorney General of the state of New Jersey and all the heads of their law enforcement. And, uh, you know, he said they want to reach the whole state of New Jersey leading up to next year's Super Bowl in finding and connecting into motels and businesses and all that. And I said, well, you know, you're not going to be able to do that without the church. And they said, well, we know. That's why you're here. (laughs) So it's kind of of fun to know that we have, not we as free, but that the, the recognition of the church being a source of contact for those who are hurting, that we might find those who need help and rescue. But you know what? We could find a million girls... And we plan on it. But if we don't have a way to see their lives restored, we've done nothing for them. Zero. 
The psalmist puts it this way. He brought us out of the miry clay, yet he set our feet on a rock to stay. It does no 14-year-old girl who's been molested from her earliest memories, runs away from home because of her abuse, gets exploited by a pimp, only has ever seen herself as an object of lust for men, to have us come alongside, get her away from her pimp, who she probably swears to God she still loves because he played that mental game with her, right? And go, okay, we got you out of your situation. You know, be warm and well-fed. Here we go. We've done nothing for her. Her life has been destroyed. She has emotional problems. She has physical problems from the hundreds, if not thousands of men that have been with her. She's got education that she needs to catch up on. And, you know, you saw up on the screen early, uh, you know, I get calls not infrequently from school counselors, 6th, 7th grade school counselors of girls who have been arrested for prostitution. Answer me this. Why is the girl getting arrested? Right? She's not, she's not um, the criminal. She's the victim in this. She's got a 30-year-old dude selling her off, and she's the one going to prison. So she lacks trust. She lacks hope. She lacks understanding. And if she ever wanted to get a job, she's the bottom of the list of 50 applicants because she's got a list of arrests for what was being done to her. It's a big, long, sticky, complicated process that requires not just our awareness of what's going on, educating ourselves, but finding hugely creative ways and strong relational connections so that we can see their whole life repaired. We were recently, if you can shoot that up, you saw the inside of it a little bit. We were recently given a property, uh, uh, 14,000 square foot on five acres of land. It's literally less than 200 miles from where you sit right now. We call this the oasis. It's a refuge for sexually exploited and trafficked children. We'll be taking in from 11 to 16-year-old girls into this, uh, this facility for as long as it takes to see their lives restored and repaired. Amen. It's, it's the miracle home. But the reason it's the miracle home is because God set this structure aside so that we could place feet on solid ground. He placed us as a church here so that we could find these victims. And he's creating resources now that will benefit our outreach in Tulsa so that we can place girls who need help and get their feet on a rock to stay. We're about $400,000 away from completing the structure and hiring a director of this so that we can get it going. You know, we laugh sometimes because it's funny. You know, God is all-powerful, so we trust him. In the middle of the worst economy ever, he gives us a gift, but a gift... That requires a lot of resources to make happen. And I just want to thank this church for being involved in that process because there's no way it could be done without God's people. When, when I was talking about the Good Samaritan, you had the evil people waiting behind the rock to exploit. And we had typical, some of the religious people and the stereotypes walk by and weren't willing to engage for whatever reason. They were scared, you know, they, they, uh, they were worried about their own reputations. But in the end... The Good Samaritan comes by, who's an enemy of the person sitting by the road. Not dissimilar to what Christ did for us, right? While we were still his enemies, he laid his life down. Every 
thing he had. He left the glory of heaven so that he might come here, extend every resource he has on our behalf so that we might have life and have life abundantly. That's what the Samaritan did in this story, right? He laid down every resource he had, stopped, stopped his journey for business so that this person might find help. Somebody who, if he was conscious, might have spit in his face. He stops that journey, pours his own oil in his wounds. Oil was used as, as, as money in those days. Slows his journey even more down to put him in an inn. Now, innkeepers back in this day were shady. They, in fact, they were, they, were basically, they were basically just a slot below tax collectors as far as reputation is concerned. They weren't trustworthy. And yet the Samaritan um, was willing to trust somebody who wasn't even trustworthy because his sole vision wasn't how do I protect myself, but how do I get help and healing to this person who needs it right now. As we look to the Oasis, you just see there was a generous couple who donated this property. And we had a church in in Tucson, Arizona, not even a very large church, who said, hey, if you're going to get that property, we're going to give $125,000 so that you can get this thing going. Time and time again, God has come through through his people to say, hey, you know, we have a heart and we want to do something. But what's incredible about the Oasis Shelter that we love with Free International is it's connected across the country. It's on your doorstep. But attorneys general in in New Jersey and in Southern California and in Texas and in Indiana and law enforcement agents and judges in uh, New York and North Dakota and other places are saying, when your buildings open, we will place with you. We say, well, you know we're a faith-based organization. Doesn't matter. There's 100,000 plus kids a year being exploited. There's less than 200 beds available for their care out of all those numbers. Less than 200. And so in working with the church, we've seen great inroads into to we know when the doors are open for this, it's going to be a beacon of light for these girls and it's going to be a model for which all those faith-based and not faith alike are investing their girls into because it's connected beyond just the local to what's going on across this country and the world. we got companies like Travelocity who've said, hey, we understand these girls uh, uh, can't get jobs because they have a criminal record. Well, we understand that, so we're going to carve out job opportunities. And Mike, since you trained our employees and Free's been invested in what we're doing, when girls come out of this shelter, we'll have jobs for them so they have not to worry about that. The timeline is set for a place like this to not only be effective for the girls, but to put into play foster and adoption care families and networks that might even be in this very church to take those who are coming out of that situation to see their lives restored in every way and placed in a vibrant community of faith like this one so we can continue to see their spiritual, their emotional, their educational uh, uh, lives restored because of vibrant communities of faith. We want these girls to carry the same testimony that we have, and that's that Christ makes all things new. We don't want to just create a place, a one-stop shop for them to come in and spend a few days like an orphanage. We want to take them from their homes, not out of their homes if they're good, but where their abuse happened, from the streets to which they are exploited, not into a hospital, but into a home where they can live and grow and become the child that, that have the childhood that was taken from them.
Lowell was talking and painting a vivid picture, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to close with this today too. We don't want to just give them... Um, we, we want to pour into their lives extravagantly. What do we do with our own children? If our own children want Hello Kitty, guess what? The room's painted Hello Kitty. We're giving Hello Kitties for you know, for Christmas and this and the shoes and that and the backpacks and then this and then that because we love our children, right? Just as God laid his life and resources down for us extravagantly so that we might live, it was that gratitude, it was that understanding that we're getting not only something we don't deserve, but we're getting God in his entirety. In the resources that the Good Samaritan gave, it wasn't just meant to get this guy on his feet. Whatever it took to make him whole is what the Good Samaritan did. His life, his resources, everything he had was at the disposable of the hurting so they might live. That's what the Oasis is about. And that's what you guys are helping us with. And I thank you, thank you, thank you. Because in the end, when we get to heaven and even before that, you're going to be hearing stories of young girls who once were abused and discarded and forgotten and taken advantage of who now stand in the strength of who God is in their lives because of investments you made right here. And maybe even girls that are even sitting here right now in our seats, having heard about what was being spoken about, saying, I need a way out. There will be a way. There's hope. There's a future for those whom Christ loves. Amen. Pastor. All right. It's so clear and it's so well-spoken, and you see the comprehensive ministry that this team is leading. It is urgent that this home gets opened, and you heard the financial need in front of them, and today, the assembly, we must step up and do our absolute best. And uh, so the ushers are coming now, and I want you to make out a check. Some people have asked me along the way, and I just want to clarify something, because I guess in other churches, when an offering like this is taken, there may be an administrative fee. I want you to know something. 100% of every dollar you give to the Global Local Initiative goes to those initiatives. There's zero administrative fee. This is money you feel to give to these missions, and that's where it's going. Today, we raise money for the Oasis Refuge, this, this home that is going to redeem lives, and this ministry that knows how to find them, and then they have the counselors, they have the caregivers that is going to come around, these incredible children of God, and restore them until they're hopeful again. Could there be anything better? All of these things we do are so awesome. This is right up there with all of those initiatives and I want you to give your very best uh, at a minimum, at a minimum, we're going to give $50,000 to this, at a minimum. Why don't we give way in excess of that? I think we can do it. I challenge the 9 o'clock. I challenge you. I challenge the 12. And let's let this be an initial offering to just deal with something that gets them closer but then let's be part of this relationship ongoing 
so that we can hear these stories and know that we've done our best, okay? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for letting us be part of ministry that makes a difference. I thank you for this church, each person that is in these seats, and they're willing now to give resources to help people they don't even know. I pray that you see our heart, that whatever we give, we wish it could be doubled or tripled because it's not about us. It is about these boys and girls that are in this abusive, destructive pattern. Bring freedom through this expression today and through this ministry. That's what we're excited about. That is why we're motivated. And that's why we even will sacrifice. Lord, I pray that this $400,000 challenge in front of this ministry will be met quicker than they could ever imagine. And that, Lord, these rooms could be specialized for each one of these children and teenagers so that hope could be born again and their dreams could live again and their future could take on such a strength that it would be amazing to them at your grace and power in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So the buckets are going to start passing and you're going to have an opportunity to give. And now we prepare ourselves for the next part of this. Part of this ministry, they go into schools across America. I want you to know that this team will be meeting with school officials in our city over the next couple of days because they want to bring awareness and they bring this 3D experience into schools across the country. They have these huge screens that they bring in and all the technology. So we're going to just give you a taste of it today with the screens that we have. It will be uh, just a taste of the 3D experience. And it's all built around say something, that it's not just your money that you're giving right now. It is a willingness to wade out into this issue and speak up if we see things that we know need to be brought to the attention of the right people. And so they're going into these schools because so many of these students are being informed on how to help their friends. So now that you've given, reach for your glasses. The lights will come down and we'll go to the next part of the day. Prepare yourself. Put your 3D glasses on now. The following is not intended for pregnant mothers, elderly persons, or those with chronic back problems. The following is a three-dimensional presentation meant to challenge assumptions, persuade viewers, and change the world. You. The world does not revolve around you. You are part of the environment in which you live. Like all organisms, you have a symbiotic relationship with the world around you. Your relationship with the world in which you exist is either positive in its scope or negative in its impact. This is your choice. You can choose a one-dimensional existence. You take, but seldom give back. Life is narrow, limited, of little meaning. You can choose a two-dimensional life. When you receive, you give back. Mutually beneficial life finds a deeper state of being. Limited but real peace is experienced. Or 
you can choose to live three dimensions, giving when you have not received, sowing where you will not reap, contributing without expectation of reward. This is the highest calling of all organisms. You can unlock the greatest human potential within you and live your life in 3D. So we developed this school assembly program to take into high schools and middle schools all across the United States. We finished the majority of our program before the Super Bowl in Indianapolis, and we approached those authorities that were there, and um, they just weren't interested, and they thought that they, the, the subject was maybe a little bit too harsh or a little bit too aggressive to bring, a, bring up in a high school or middle school set, setting, and we just thought they were dumb. And so we, we really felt like, man, did we blow it? Did we, did we miss it? Or, or, or what, what happened? Why did we put all of this effort into that? And we, we continued to work on it. We continued to put our team together. And the, the Super Bowl came uh, in New Orleans, and we began to put our feelers out again. And one of our team members, in fact, went into New Orleans. I remember I received a phone call from him. He said, I, uh, I'm just getting on the plane to come home. And he said, I think uh, we've got a pretty full week ahead of us. Uh, for, the, for the Super Bowl. And I said, oh, is that right? Um, and my mind was thinking, you know, it's so faith-filled that we'd maybe have a, an assembly or two. And uh, he said, no, we've actually got um, 40 schools that want us to be in their school in one week's time. And I said, Jeff, that's impossible. And I said, it's ridiculous. This kid can't happen. He said, but they, they've said that now that we've brought it up, they, they, all these schools want it. And by the time we get walked out of New Orleans, by the time we left New Orleans, we were in front of 25,000 students addressing the issue of human trafficking. Why? Because this is the most uh, powerful generation to ever walk the face of the earth. The student generation that walks into the doors of this church, that walks into the doors of the school, this is the generation that we believe that if we can empower them, if we can give them the tools, we will see this This tragedy that's come into our world, we will see it come to an end. You see, this is messy, and it's gross. My daughters, my daughters got involved in, uh, in karate in our, our, our community, and they started to try to con- uh, convince me that I should join karate. And I said, I'm not going to join karate because I don't want to get hit in the face. I said, I'm not going to join karate because I don't want people hitting on me. I don't want people beating me up. They said, come on, Dad, come on, Dad. I said, okay, I'll join this karate if I don't get hit in the face. And so I started to get involved with karate, and it was, it was, 
I got hit in the face, and I didn't like it. And, but pretty soon I started getting used to it, and it started to become just something that happened every Tuesday and Thursday. And I tried to get even better at it so that I could maybe hit somebody else in the face and feel better about myself. As I got involved with this, it start, I started to get used to it. But two weeks ago, I, was, I landed in Spokane, and my son and I were just on a, a trip uh, to Indianapolis. We landed in Spokane. We were going to drive back to our home in Montana. And as we were driving home uh, through the state of Idaho, we came around the corner and uh, to make a very, well, it was a pretty quick story, actually. There was a 700-pound elk that was in the middle of the road, came through the windshield and hit me in the face. It broke every bone in my face, left every tooth intact. However, God was with me. It should have broke my neck. I should have been in the hospital for several days. Uh, in fact, as I stand before you today, you would probably have no idea that I got hit in the face by a 700-pound elk. But God has been gracious. But I tell you that because I tell you this. You don't get into the fight unless you're willing to get hit. And this is a fight that the church needs to get involved in. This is a, this is a fight that nobody else seems like they want to really pick up the mantle. A lot of people want to do shows about it. A lot of people want to do commercials and put out flyers. But it needs to be the church. It needs to be the student generation that says, I'm tired of talking about it. It's time for me to do something about it. But it is, it's got to be the people that are saying, all right, I'm willing to get involved in this mess. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. It's the easy thing to do. Not that we don't appreciate the fact that you're willing to write a check. But you know, that's the lowest form of activism in any cause, is to write a check and to put it in an envelope and give it. Because we can give that money, we can walk away and hope that somebody deals with it. But we can't do that as the church. Because right now, all eyes, all hands are reaching towards the church saying, you've got to help us out of this mess. And we can step back and we can point the finger and say, we've been telling you that all along. We've been, te- we've been available all along. Or we can step forward and say, yes, we are now ready. We hear the call and we're ready to step up and do this. And it makes me proud to stand in front of a student generation and to tell them, look around. This whole mantra that generations before you had of mind your own business does not work. It has not worked, and it has not gotten us very far. It's time for us to get involved in each other's business. It's time for you to care about the locker partner. It's time for you to care about your teammate and your classmate. It's time to get in their business and to find out what's going on. The school assemblies that we do, I can tell you that in New Orleans, we had tip after tip after tip. Those cards that you hold in your hand, the pictures of those girls came up on the screen. Kids couldn't get down to the front fast enough to say, I saw that girl. She was at this party. I know this girl. I've seen her. I've heard about this girl. And we gave them the number. If you have a mobile phone or a smartphone with you right now, would you just take that out? I'm going to ask you to do something before you even leave your seat to do something that you can make a difference. There is a phone number. It's a national hotline that you can call. When you call this number, the FBI troops are not going to come and storm through the door. They're not going to send bombs. They're not going to send cameras to, to uh, you know, spy on these, type, these situations. What they will do is to help you figure out if there is a situation that needs more action, and they will give you the resources that are available. Put in that in your phone the number one eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight eight. Again, it's one eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight eight. That is the national trafficking hotline. We give that number to students. We tell them if you see something that does not look right, then it probably is not. Call somebody. Do something about it. And all across these United States, students are stepping up and they're taking action. 
simply because of a 3D video. Is 3D video a big deal? Not really. It's a catch. It's a hook. It's something that we use. You're not able to see it in its full scope because the screens aren't large enough. And um, it, just because of your, your position to the screens. But as students watch this and as we challenge them and we stand a survivor up in front of them that's very close to their age that says, this, this stories that, these stories that you're hearing about, that was me. I was involved in that. Can I tell you? They line up by the hundreds along the platform waiting for somebody that they can talk to, somebody that they can pour their heart out, heart out to. This is a messy situation. You see, listen, men, what, as those of you that are of older generations, where it took us the courage to somehow find the courage to go to a drugstore and, and, and somehow convince the lady behind the counter if she would somehow sell us a magazine that was kept behind the counter in a plastic wrap with cardboard around the cover, somehow if she would sell us that or if we found an uncle or somebody that was hiding dirty, filthy magazines, that was the way we got involved in pornography. Can I tell you something? That this generation, they are three clicks away from finding what we had to, to go and somehow try to get in, the, in a, maybe a more difficult way. Pornography is being set up to destroy a generation. Pornography is being set up to rip apart the minds of what it is to know what pure love and what true sex is all about. True sex is not, and saving sex for marriage is not only about abstinence. Young man, if you think that you're involved in pornography now and you think, well, when I get married, it's going to be easier, and, or when I get a serious girlfriend, I will tell you, it will not be different. It will not be something. It's a disease. It's an addiction that will tear apart literally your human body. They are showing research now that it, it has the same effects of heroin and cocaine on your mind. It literally begins to change the structure of your mind. Men, if you are in this room, you heard Mike say that there are those that are selling young girls on the streets. The average sale price of a young girl from trafficker to pimp or trafficker to trafficker, young girls are being sold for $90 in our United States right now. They then turn around and rent them out sometimes 30 to 40 times a night for $150, $200 and $300. A young girl may service 30 to 40 guys in a night. And we say, that's disgusting and that's filthy. But as you click on that computer screen, that email comes up and somehow tickles your brain. And you click on that picture or you click on that link and it takes you to another place. Before you point your finger at that trafficker, before you talk about the justice that needs to be done, realize that the action of clicking on that mouse is giving the same type of empowerment to that trafficker and to that pimp as the individual that buys that young girl on the street. If you sit in this room today and you are gripped by the power of pornography and it's destroying your life, maybe you don't know it is, but I'm telling you today it is. There is hope for you and there is no hope by just saying it's going to go away or I'm going to keep it a secret. The power in pornography lies in the secrecy of it. If you would be willing to just say, listen, I'm tired of this gripping my mind. And as we have challenged students, even in a public school setting, I can't tell you the young men that have brought filthy magazines and dropped them off to us in a school setting and said, I'm tired of this. It controls my life. It's time for that to be over. And this is is the perfect place. We walk in today, we open that bulletin, we see that living free. I want to tell you something. That said to me, this church is doing something right. It's doing something that's making a difference in people's lives. And this is an opportunity that you have as a man, as a young boy, as a young man in this church. You're going to have an opportunity today. I stood in front of a group of young men in Indianapolis just before I got hit in the face with an L. I stood in front of these young men. I challenged them with this message. I watched 95 young men 
walk in front of their parents, their peers, and they came to an altar and they said, I don't care who sees it, I'm tired of this gripping my life. It's time for it to be over. And I literally watched the spirit of pornography being ripped out of their life and freshness coming back and they can literally now live a life that's free. This is why we go into the public school. This is an issue that's taking place right here and right now. We've got one more video that you can watch that we want you to watch that, t- that we show in the schools. This has been such a, a pleasure for us to be here today. We're going to be back at the table with some of the resources that we have. But if you see something that doesn't look right, more than likely it's not. And it's time for us as the church to say something. Mm-hmm.